You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. I hope you are doing well today, and I'm going to dive straight in this morning. If you have a Bible or access to something, if you want to follow along with me, although I think it will come up on the screen Uh, both here and for you at home. We are going to the book of Revelation and chapter 7, verses 9 to 12. And we're going to consider, as we just set a scene for today's message, one of the great visions and pictures of the Bible. This is what John writes. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, And language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and round the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And I wonder here and where you are if we can say amen together. John, of course, is on the island of Patmos where he receives this Revelation, the Bible calls it a revelation from Jesus, and it contains a picture of what is to come. Most theologians would understand the book of Revelation is uh, apocalyptic. In other words, it is prophetic, and a lot of the picture language there, it is metaphoric, not necessarily to be seen literally. That means that if we consider that, we will be among the great multitude. I, I believe I will be among that great multitude. We may or may not be dressed in white robes. Maybe it just is to signify that we will be made holy on that day. We will be righteous before him. We may or may not be waving literal palm branches, but the palm branch in the Bible speaks of victory. And I think it is to say that we will be standing in the victory of Jesus on that day. But the overall picture is extremely clear that God This God who created the heavens and the earth is gathering to himself a people saved by the blood of Jesus from every nation, tribe, people, and language, united and standing together in oneness, proclaiming together the greatness of God himself. If you'd like a a title for today, it is simply this, standing together, standing together. And this week and next week, Esther and myself, we're going to begin to scratch the surface of racial justice in our messages. What a picture of heaven this is. And I think it's great for us to set the scene here. Two chapters earlier, we read that Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he is the only one that's found worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because with his blood, he purchased people for God. The Bible tells us from every tribe and language, people and nation. It's a slightly different order, but those four words appear. Seven times in the book of Revelation, we get people, tribe, nation, and language together. I think we only need one of those to get the point, that God has gathered from every people group, every tribe, every language, every nation. But this fourfold emphasis, this is what God is doing. This is the end game of what God is doing in the earth, a gathering of his people. 
And I'd like to remind us that when Jesus is asked to teach us how to pray, he says, our, our Father, our Father, and then he says, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, as I read the book of Revelation, the, the picture, the vision of every tribe, every nation, every people, every language standing together, and Jesus prays, pray on earth as in heaven. In other words, it's not just a picture to come, it's a vision for now. It's the Father's desire, it's Jesus' prayer of oneness in John 17, it's Joel's prophecy of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. It's Ephesians 2, Jesus breaking down the dividing wall of hostility. Last year, as we know, racial injustice came to the forefront in a fresh way in our nation and many nations of the world. So many times before, there had been different outcries, responses to police brutality or racially motivated murders, acts of overt racism here in the UK, but it felt like something different was heard a move, a shift. At one level, history shows us that that racial injustice has been around almost as long as mankind. This is nothing new. If we look at the, the systemic and institutional racism currently existing in the UK, we can very easily and quickly find the roots tracing back 500 or so years to the transatlantic Atlantic slave trade. And it's not hard to spot in many cultures, whether it's manifest through tribal systems or caste structures. But while in the heart of God, it has always been unchangingly to commit to justice, it seems that this is a new day in our our nation. And I have a conviction this is a work of the Holy Spirit. Here at CLM, following the killing of George Floyd last May, as elders, we, we wanted to look deeply into this issue and not simply make a knee jerk response but a medium and long-term plan, and we sent a question out at that time. Most of you were a part of that uh, questionnaire to the congregation. We had about 300 responses came in, and then we established a task force for racial justice, uh, a group of eight exceptional uh, individuals as part of CLM who facilitated one-to-one conversations and small group conversations for people who wanted to express their experience, their pain, their journey, lift their voice, speak to somebody. And about 100 people were facilitated either one-to-one or in small groups. We're so grateful for the diligent, excellent work of the task force and also to all of you who shared your experiences. And the task force met together many times through the balance of last year. And just before Christmas, brought a report to us as elders. And over the last few weeks as elders and task force, we've been working together. And uh, today I'm going to touch on in a few moments our action plan of what what we're going to be heading into as part of our response. But before I do that, I, I think it's important for us to be clear as to why racial justice is our business as a church. I'm not perceiving that I need to convince many people, but I think it's important that we align our thinking. Number one, my first thought on this is that it is a justice issue. It is a justice issue. Psalm 97 verse 1 says, the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. And verse 2 says, righteousness, think about this, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. In other words, his His rule, his reign, God's mandate, his dominion, his authority, his manifesto, they rise, they come out of a foundation of justice. Everything that he is about and he is for 
is justice. He is a God of justice. He loves justice and he is against injustice. And so if this is our God and we are his people, then a justice issue is not just God's issue, it's our issue. In Isaiah 61, he says this, for I, the Lord, love justice. I love justice. Isaiah 58, he calls true fasting. Now, now we believe in prayer and fasting here. We believe that this is a biblical mandate. We believe Jesus instructs his followers to pray and fast from food. And the book of Acts and the New Testament shows us that fasting should be part of the normal Christian life. But in Isaiah 58, God speaks about true fasting. And what he's saying here is the real spirituality that I am looking for It's a spirituality that looses the chains of injustice and unties the cords of the yoke. In other words, it does more than speak, it acts, it does something. The famous verse of Micah 6, 8, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Racism here in the UK, 2021, can take so many different forms from overt racism that still happens of verbal or physical abuse or blatant discrimination, but also the more layered, subtle, covert forms of systemic and institutional racism that put people of color, proven and statistically, you really don't have to go far to see, at a disadvantage economically, educationally, in healthcare, in the so-called justice system, in employment and so on in our nation. And this grieves, this must grieve the heart of God and it should grieve us. It's a justice issue. It's an issue of inequality, of oppression, of evil, of wickedness. Of course, there are so many issues of justice and injustice in our nation. And probably each one of us could easily identify an issue of justice that we could have been more engaged with than we have been. And it isn't wrong for us to search our hearts as to why that might be. But I think the key question is, what are we going to do now? And it's our conviction as elders that we are primarily catching up with a societal, topical uh, moment, but we are aligning ourselves to the heart of God who from creation and in the essence of who he is, is passionate for justice. His mandate and call has always been for justice. It's always been about lifting up the oppressed, standing up for the one who's been downtrodden, speaking out for the one whose voice has not been heard. It's a justice issue. Secondly, it's a family matter. It's a family matter. Here at CLM, one, one of the great things about CLM, and if, if we could all gather in person, it would be no one could walk into our church and not notice how diverse we are. I mean, we're a noughts to 90s church. We've literally got you know, some of our seniors in their 80s and 90s. We've got babies being born most weeks. Uh, we are, we're so diverse educationally, professionally, economically. It's just, and, and, and yeah, if you watch, you probably the thing you'd notice quickest is how diverse we are ethnically. We, we are from many nations. We're 60 different nations represented. And so many of you have, have voiced in the last several months how much you love this and value this, that, that CLM is family for you and you love this diversity. It was voiced strongly in the questionnaires last summer. Of course, it can bring its complexities, many cultures coming together, but it's also something incredibly rich. And, and if we're going to stand as part of that great multitude, then I, then I love it that we get a, a taste, we get a practice, we get a, a, a bit of a dress rehearsal of that here on earth as it is 
in heaven. But it also means this, that, that the pain felt and, ex, of a, of felt and experienced racism isn't just a justice issue. It's a family matter. It's our business. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says this, if one part of the body suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. I love how the message puts it, and catch this, if you will. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. For me, in the last several months, sitting many times, and, and I've got to say, in, in having to do it on Zoom, it has been, it's been so difficult. There's been no time in the last eight or nine years that Esther and I have, have been here, part of this church, and we have not more wanted to be in person with people, to be able to embrace and join hands and pray and weep together. But, but over Zoom, often people sharing their story, their pain, their mistreatment, their, their challenges, their struggles, so many in our church that I've endured and yet for, for most often buried or pushed aside just to keep going. One of the people we've engaged with on this journey who, who's going to help us as we move forward, Dr. Kate Coleman, who, who's a, a living legend in the UK church. Some of you might have heard of, of Dr. Kate. Um, she, I think she was the first black female Baptist minister. So she became the head of the Baptist Union. She was chair of the Evangelical Alliance. And uh, we've been engaging with Kate on this journey. And, and she said to us recently, you know, she said, I, I don't think 2020 was just a year where people who hadn't experienced racism were, were getting up to speed and learning. So I think it was, it was a time that for many who had experienced racism had felt something and, and yet not really been either given the permission or the language to be able to articulate it. She said, I think it was a learning experience for a lot of us. And yet nonetheless, we haven't talked much about this across the church. And, and I have had to realize that my brothers and sisters, my friends, must have felt, for whatever reason, unable to share their pain or struggles with me. And many have, have said, oh, just, you just learn to suck it up. You, you don't want to be accused of playing the race card or, or looking like that person with a chip on their shoulder or, or people just got weary of, of trying to explain it and getting glazed looks. And yet for this to have been the case in church where we're family, and you know if you're part of this church, we see this church as family. It's not just a word that we say. It's our deepest conviction, Christ-centered community. And it means we need to be able to talk about it. We need to be able to stand together. We are family. Uh, I need to say this. If my brother is in pain or faces a struggle of, of any nature, actually, but including racial pain, I, I want him to know he can tell me and I'm going to get it. And I'm going to want to stand with him. And if I can use my voice to speak up, I'm going to speak up. But at the very least, I'm going to pray with him. And I, I, this needs to not be something that's somehow off limits. It needs to be on limits. It's a family matter. And thirdly, it's a kingdom opportunity. It's so clear that racial injustice stirs pain and trauma at the deepest level. Sometimes seemingly small things can cause great pain because they, they open up or press on deep wounds. And yet this is also, this is a great opportunity in a moment of what seems to be cultural shift for the church to shine, for the church to be a leading example. 
Matthew 5, 13 to 16, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town or a city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Church, we are kingdom bringers. We are his ambassadors. We're called that we would let his light Shine, our purpose statement here at CLM, if you've been around, you will know, is to bring the kingdom of God into every life and sphere of society. That's our passion, that's our raison d'etre. Not that we would gather people to a preaching center, but actually that as a body we would be equipped to bring the kingdom in all the spheres of influence where we are. And sometimes we put a footnote as to what does that bring the kingdom mean and we say his rule, the, the rule, the reign of Jesus Christ, his lordship, his honor, his ways, his, his love, his gospel, his truth, his grace and his power. In other words, if we are kingdom bringers, we should be justice bringers. And we have chance to, to speak up and speak out to do something. We're so thrilled that so many already that are part of this congregation are part of their diversity panels in their places of work and so on. But we believe that as we go on a journey as a church, that all of us, whatever our experience, whatever our color, we'd be better equipped to speak up, to engage in conversation in a godly and a gracious and a wise but a resolute way. It's a justice issue. It's a family matter. It's a kingdom opportunity. The work of the task force over the last few months has not only helped us see how we can better equip to be an influence, but also how we can do better in-house. Their recommendations wonderfully align to our heart and desire as elders and, and our own thinking, but their detailed work has really helped to affirm what's good, what needs to change, what needs to happen quickly. And we're so grateful for their their work and their passion for James and Orinza and Stella and, and Dawn and Kieran and Jonathan and Ryan and Kath done an incredible job. And they've spoken to us with the utmost candor as elders. We've said to them, like, don't hold anything back. We're also deeply grateful to all of you who engaged in conversations over the last several months and relayed experiences. And while retaining anonymity, those experiences have been conveyed to us as elders and massively helped us as we've shaped our action plan, a plan that's been endorsed by the board of directors. And I just want to headline this to us this morning. It's like Isaiah 58, it, that we would not just say something but do something. What's our action plan and our commitment? I'll headline this and then uh, this week we'll email all of you for whom we have details and permissions and just give a little bit more information. Our first commitment and action is teaching and learning. In the coming months and, and years through a biblical framework as part of our ongoing curriculum as a church to speak into and teach into racial justice. We are aware of a huge spectrum. We have people in our church that are experts and specialists on this subject, and we have people that are right at ground zero uh, today. We will be drawing on 
wisdom in the house and those beyond CLM who've gone further than us. We're, we're so thrilled that the Lord's helped us make some great connections. This week, we're gonna be meeting with the senior leadership of King's Church London, who are, are an incredible example in this area. Ben Lindsay in his book, We Need to Talk About Race, references kings, and we're meeting with their leaders, talk about some of their journey, their experience. But we know we need to teach into this, but we also, we, we're not just calling it teaching, teaching and learning, because we have so much to learn. As a people, as a congregation, we need a posture to learn. And especially for, for any of us that might be really at the front end of learning and don't know where to make a start then, then as of today, uh, if you go to the resources section of our website, website's been updated, then uh, you'll see uh, a section on racial justice and some simple recommended uh, reading and articles, uh, particularly for those who are wanting to make a start. I believe it's part of our loving response as part of church family. We'll speak into this next week, as I've said. And then we're looking at some series that in the, in the months ahead. Ideally, we would do this with everybody in the room as family, but we're not going to delay unduly. This year, next year, we're looking at some ways we can speak into this. Secondly, our, our second action is conversation. Conversation. For us to grow in our understanding, to remove injustice among us, to deepen Christ-centered community, we know that being able to talk together is critical. We know that at times in the last few months, this, this has felt uncomfortable. Some people haven't been sure where others are coming from. Some people have, have felt afraid to say anything for fear of getting it wrong. But what happens is we end up living in pseudo-community if we do this. We're, we actually, we're not family or we're a slightly dysfunctional family. And so we are committed as a leadership to, to try to create an engender a loving, grace-filled church family with safe spaces to speak about this in empathetic, listening, non-judgmental environments that we can grow together and that we can stand together. Our third action is, is training. The task force have helped us clearly see the importance of us training and equipping all of our leaders, those who serve in, in groups and ministries and teams, those that serve on teams that we're better equipped to know how to serve and lead well in an environment such as CLM with all its diversity. And Dr. Kate Coleman, who I've just mentioned from Next Leadership, uh, is going to begin with us as staff team and leadership team. Oh yeah, there's her, there's her face on your screen. Uh, going to begin with us, do some diversity training, collaborative leadership training, and, and all being well, help us with some of the shaping of a biblically framed teaching for other leaders in due course. And our fourth commitment is leadership development. Around three years ago, we designed a leadership development pathway that outlines what is required at every level and stage of leadership at CLM. And as part of that was to help identify next steps of discipleship for anybody wanting to grow, but also to eliminate any bias in the selecting and developing of leaders. And I and one of the things that we've come to realize is we need to do better at making that visible, communicating that, and also making sure it's embedded fully and consistently in all of our ministries. As elders, with, with, this act, with all of these actions, there are a number of strands. I'm just headlining today, but is our, our heart and our great passion that no inappropriate barrier for any individual would exist in order to progress in maturity and leadership function responsibility at any level of leadership here and also to equip all of us that we would be leaders in our spheres of influence. Our fifth action is inclusion and belonging. 
We have a world to reach outside of our walls and our doors, church, don't we? And that world is wonderfully diverse. We have international students on our doorstep from literally, well, almost literally every nation on the planet. And we live in one of the diverse cities. Well, some of you that are engaging online maybe have a different environment. For for most of us here in Coventry, we live in one of the diverse cities of the United Kingdom. And we're aware that inclusion and belonging is really important. We're also aware this is complex and this is... This is actually something that is not requiring a blanket approach, but a ministry-by-ministry ministry look and conversation. It's what, not one size fits all. But we would want every point of connection, every ministry, every expression to be a place where any person, regardless of their background, could come and find a home easily. And so across worship and kids and youth and students and young adults and, and life groups and so on, we're going to be continuing conversations, had some great conversations already that we started. How we can grow in our inclusivity, how we can expand in some settings cultural expression, uh, how we can bring down any current barriers that might exist to inclusion and belonging. We're going to need the, the wisdom and skill of the Holy Spirit, but we know he's going to help us. Sixthly, mission. We'll be looking to develop uh, new and additional partnerships that align with our ministries and our, with our values that seek to address the issues and symptoms of racial injustice and also some that are working positively to support a majority BAME clientele. And, and last but by no means least, prayer, a commitment to prayer. We're profoundly aware that racial injustice is an evil spiritual stronghold firmly established for hundreds of years. And we understand action is needed, not just prayer, but prayer is essential alongside action. Church, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of darkness, the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And so we commit to pray into this journey and also to model how to pray that we might know how to be able to pray into this. And also, as part of our prayerful, unified response. And we're, we're gonna wait, whatever happens, until we can do this in person, en masse. But it's as part of a prayerful response to allow a time of corporate lament as we come and cry out and say, God, this breaks our heart. Lord, how long, oh Lord? Why, Lord? And yet we trust you, Lord. I brought a brief overview here to our action plan. I want to assure you this hasn't been rustled up. This has been prayed over and labored over hours and hours of work and conversation. We are entirely committed to it because we believe that as we move forward as a church, it will help us to tackle injustice. It will help us to function better as family and it will help us to be the kingdom bringers on earth as in heaven. But we also want to tell you that although we are committed to this action plan, we are holding the whole thing as an emergent process. And by that, we mean to say, we know we don't know everything. And what we're committed to is journey, where this isn't gonna be something that we don't talk about or don't address, but we might find we need to change some things, accelerate some things, tweak some things. Donald Brown Mark, one of the elders here, uh, emailed this week, when we were, we're just corresponding between Elders Task Force and the board. And, and he said from Joshua 3, we've not been this way before. It's true. But the Lord's gonna help us. We're gonna keep learning as we go. We're committed to the journey. Let me ask you as I finish, what's your response? For some, maybe we need to begin to accelerate our learning and understanding 
Maybe engage with the, the resources on our website. Speak to some people and be educated. We might find ourselves still behind the curve. For some, maybe it's time to speak up, to act. I wanna say to you, particularly if you are a decision maker in your sphere, the place where you work or study, is there something you could do, a question you could ask in a godly and a grace-filled way, but that we wouldn't be silent. But at a basic level, it's an invitation to come on a journey as church. We are family. To listen to others, to learn, and to sign up to say, I'm gonna stand together. We know we won't get it right all the time across all of us with our vast array of backgrounds and experiences, our varying degrees of cultural awareness and sensitivities. But if our hearts are open, we can see we can get closer and closer on earth to as it is in heaven. A vision that delights the Father where this church can feel like a home for every person. And not just with the absence of racism, but the presence of anti-racism. And we'll know what that means and what that looks like. People who not only stand with each other, but speak up and speak out for one another, for justice, with a voice of wisdom that emanates from the house of God and sees the kingdom come. We believe this will bring healing and joy to the Father and glory to the Son. Church, can we stand together? I'm gonna invite you where you are. If you're in your home, would you stand with me? Why don't we open up our hands and our hearts to Him? Lord, we pray. We pray that our hearts would please you. We pray that on this journey, you would help us to walk together and to stand together. We pray you'd bring healing where there's been pain. We pray that help us to, to deepen as family. We pray, Holy Spirit, in a way that only you can, would you accelerate this journey for us? We pray, King Jesus, would you be glorified as we lift you up? Thank you.